he in his zeal to force Greek culture upon the uh, uh, Jewish people that were living in the Holy Land, uh, he set up an altar to Zeus. Remember, we looked at who Zeus was. Zeus was none other than the same god as Baal. And when we went through our series on uh, Return of the Gods, we talked about Baal and how you know certain uh, uh, kings in, in, and queens in Samaria, you know, like Jezebel, tried to force Baal worship on the uh, people of Israel. And so this was just another incarnation of that same god, uh, Baal. You know, he set up an altar to Zeus in the sacred uh, Jewish temple. And then he proceeded to sacrifice pigs on it. What do you know about pigs? Pigs were considered an unclean animal in the Jewish dietary laws. So uh, this was, a, you know, an affront to the Jewish religion, and that's what uh, Antiochus Epiphanes was trying to get. You know, he was trying to eradicate the Jewish religion. So then along came a man by the name of Judas Maccabeus. You know, if you uh, look at the Catholic Bible, they've got uh, a couple of uh, books of Maccabees in there, and that's what it's named after Judas Maccabeus. He was able to uh, exercise a uh, uh, guerrilla warfare against Antiochus Epiphanes and the Seleucid uh, troops that were there. And he was successful in throwing them out. And then he set about trying to cleanse the Hebrew temple, the Jewish temple. And he was able to do that. But he discovered to his dismay that there was only one cruise of oil that they would use to keep the lamps burning in the uh, holy place. And so uh, God worked a miracle. It, you know, the, the cruise of oil was only to last one day, but God worked a miracle and it lasted eight days. And those became the eight days of Hanukkah. And uh, we saw the meaning uh, for us about Hanukkah is that Christ, for Christians this time of the year because Hanukkah roughly coincides with the same as what we celebrate Christmas. It's a time that we should be uh, dedicating our lives to the Lord just as Maccabeus dedicate, rededicated the uh, uh, temple. So we need to rededicate our lives to the Lord. It's also a time when we celebrate Jesus as the light of the world. That was the meaning behind the menorah, which they kept burning there in the holy place at, in the temple. And we need to be celebrating Jesus as the light of the world. He said, I am the light of the world. He that walk, uh, uh, believes in me will not walk, walk in darkness, but will have the light of life within him. And finally... It's a time that we, re we can realize that as God worked a miracle with the preservation of the oil, so God can work miracles in our lives too. He can take situations in our lives that seem totally impossible for us to overcome. But like I've told you before, when <clears throat> uh, man's possibilities expire, that's when the possibilities of God are just beginning. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay.
Now I'm going to begin today's message with a little review. What is the true spirit of Christmas? You know, we've talked about this in Christmas past. Certain, you know, certain so-called Christian groups, you know, think Jehovah's Witnesses. They do not celebrate Christmas. And then they go further and they will tell you that if you celebrate Christmas, you're celebrating a pagan holiday. Since the day that we celebrated, December 25th, coincides with the pagan Roman holiday of Saturnalia or the return of the sun. You know, the time when the days would begin to get uh, longer, you know, after, uh, you know, the winter solstice. Saturnalia as a pagan holiday was celebrated in times past with a lot of festivities, including a lot of drinking and carousing. And I've told you before, I used to wonder about that. Why do people get drunk on uh, Christmas? Seems kind of sacrilegious to me, you know, celebrate the Lord's birth with all this drinking and stuff. And then it, it occurred to me one Christmas that, hey, that's the way that the pagans celebrated Saturnalia, uh, you, know, in, uh, you know, so many years ago. So it's just a continuation of the Saturnalia festival. So if you get accused of celebrating a pagan holiday, you just tell them uh, that you don't celebrate Christmas as the pagans did, you know, going out and getting drunk. At least I hope nobody celebrates it that way. Uh, <clears throat> you know, you tell them you don't celebrate it that way. Say if you're going to, you know, bug people about it, you go hit the office parties, you know, instead. So what do we celebrate at Christmas? We celebrate, and this is what you tell the Jehovah's Witness that tells you this. You say, I am celebrating John 3.16. For God loved the world in this manner. He gave His only begotten Son. And we shouldn't be just be celebrating that on December 25th. You know what? We should be celebrating it year round. Can you say amen to that? We need to celebrate that God gave the, to this world and you personally His only begotten Son. Yes. And if you trust in Him to cleanse you of your sins, you will have life everlasting. Amen. Okay? So, that's why the true Christmas spirit is the spirit of giving. As Jesus said, by the way, this uh, is not recorded in the gospel. It's only uh, recorded in the book of Acts, this saying that Jesus gave. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. You know, when we are children, uh, brothers and sisters, we always look forward to Christmas Eve or Christmas morning. Uh, whenever you would open up your presents. I, I remember when I was a boy, we always did it on Christmas morning. And uh, then, you know, when I got married to my uh, uh, former wife, you know, she uh, uh, celebrated it by, you know, opening presents on Christmas Eve instead. So, uh, but anyway, that's the way she did it. That was the way she was raised. Uh, but we always look forward to Christmas Eve or Christmas morning. Whenever we get our Chris, uh, Christmas presents, you know, you go under the tree and uh, the presents are all laid out. Everybody knows that. And then later on, we get to play Santa ourselves, right? Yeah. 
when we uh, uh, give to our children and our grandchildren, if we're lucky enough to have them, just as we received, uh, you know, uh, when we were children. And then hopefully, if we're able, we should also celebrate Christmas by giving to others that are more needing, needy than uh, what we are. And uh, we can also give to ministries worldwide. You know, they've got ministries all over the place. Right now, they, they have a big need over there in Israel with the, the war that's going on. But there's a lot of other places, too. And there's a lot of ministries that give to the needy uh, over the world. And also those that preach the gospel. I mentioned about this being Missions Sunday. You know, we need to give to them. You know, I always try to reserve, you know, uh, a little bit of extra money at the end of the year so that I can give, uh, you know, bless these uh, ministries with a special Christmas gift uh, to them. So uh, it's something that you can do, too. You know, you can think about that. So anyway, the true Christmas spirit is that of giving to others. Amen. Now, what can I give to God this Christmas? That's the topic for this morning. Because the true spirit of Christmas is the spirit of giving. Have you ever thought of giving to God this time of year too? Remember when you confessed uh, Jesus as your Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you invited him to come into your life, and dwell into your heart. You know, Jesus should be the most important person to you in this life. Right. Even more important than your uh, wife or husband. You, you, we usually think yes. of your wife and husband or your children as being the most important people. But they really shouldn't be. It should be Jesus that is the most important person in your life. And that personal relationship with, that you can have with him. Amen. You know, I don't remember ever, you know, when I was even when I was raised to the Baptist church, them emphasizing the personal relationship with God. But that's the whole point of your faith. You know, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. So that's where it's all at, is getting to know God and to know Him better each and every day. You know, that's what you're striving for, to know God in that personal relationship. So, you know, Jesus should be the most important person in your life. Don't you think that you should be giving to Him yes. this Christmas season? Amen? Well, what can you give Him? Remember, he has everything. Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God owns everything in this world because he created it. But the big question for you is, does God own you? Because you are your own person here on earth. And you decide what you're going to do with your life. You know, uh, <clears throat> this is called free will. We all have a free will. 
That's where we decide what we're going to do with our life. God will never force himself upon you. Jesus said, whosoever will may come. Hallelujah. So it's a matter of your own free will. Now what does Paul, the Apostle Paul, say concerning this? Well, he says there in Romans chapter 12 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How many of you want God's perfect will in your life? Okay. Well, first of all, you, you have to give your life to Him. Now, some other translations of Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, the New Living Translation reads this way. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And the translation that I'd never even heard of, but I found uh, this uh, uh, <clears throat> way that they translated uh, uh, Romans 12 verse 1. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. Your sleeping eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Now, that's a paraphrase there. It doesn't really, uh, you know, that's not the real translation. But this is a, the conveys the meaning of the uh, uh, translators of that uh, tr translation uh, the message. Now why does Paul tell us to give our bodies to God? Aren't we just much more than our bodies, our physical, that is our physical appearance? You know, uh, you know of course we are. So as the people there with the message said, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Now, further clarification about this presenting your bodies. You know, I consulted a commentary by uh, J. Vernon McGee on the uh, book of Romans, and he makes this observation, that by, quote, bodies, unquote, Paul means your entire personalities. And then he goes on to say, the body is the instrument through which we express ourselves. The mind, affections, the will, and the Holy Spirit can, and I added, and do, uh, use the body. And when you think about it, that's true. You know, you pick up a pencil, you go to the store, maybe you watch a movie or uh, uh, play a video game or whatever it is that you do in the course of your ordinary 
daily life. You know, your body performs it, but it's only because your mind told your body to do that, right? And there's some other scriptures that, uh, you know, give us some insight regarding this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. This is the passage that where the Apostle Paul was condemning sexual immorality in the strongest terms. And he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Another scripture is Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I should be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Context for that is the Apostle Paul was talking about See, he, he was in, this is when he was in prison. And he didn't know if he was going to be uh, live or die. He didn't know. If, eventually they would lead him out on his second imprisonment. But this was during his first imprisonment. And he didn't know if uh, you know one day the Roman authorities were going to come and take him away. And then cut off his head as they eventually did. He didn't know if he was going to uh, live or die. So he just prays that Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by my death. And finally, another scripture is uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.10. Paul writes, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life of Christ, or Jesus, may be also manifested in our body. This is known as crucified living, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. You know, sin by, you know, uh, you know, we die to ourselves, you know, the dying. We die to ourselves so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our physical body. Some more thoughts on this. Some may say, well... Why should I give my body, that, and we've just seen that means your entire person, to God? Why does, and why does Paul say this is my, quote, reasonable service? The answer is, it is your reasonable, and I've never even thought about this before. It's your reasonable service to present your body, your person, because what? Because he offered his body for you. Amen? If he offered his body for you, you ought to offer your body, that is your entire person, to him also. Further clarification is found in uh, the following verse, that right after uh, Romans 12, uh, verse 1. Uh, Romans 12, 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your body is the physical part of you, but your mind, that's part of your soul, the immaterial part of you. <clears throat> that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's what I'm talking about right now, is the perfect will of God in your life. 
So the mind, that is, the intellect, is also involved in this living sacrifice. That is your thought life. It says in uh, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, it says, As a person thinks in his or her heart, so is he or she. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You know, we always like to say, you know, you are what you eat. Well, that's true of your physical body. But when you talk about your heart, you are what you think. Amen? Proverbs uh, chapter 4, verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it come the issues of life. You know, out of your heart, you know, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So everything you think and uh, you think, say, and do comes out of that heart. And you've got the gateway to what goes into your heart. It's called your, called your free will again. And your free will should be keeping your uh, heart clean rather than being defiled. So you ask, how do I give myself to God? You know, we've seen that we're to give ourselves, we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, our entire beings, you know, and have our mind renewed by the way you renew your mind by thinking God thoughts. And God thoughts are found in the Bible. How do you give yourself to God? You know, there's many ways that you can do this, but I don't have time to go through them all. I've got enough time to just go through two aspects of giving yourself to God. You give Him first and foremost your time. That is, you take the time to dedicate your life to Him every day. Then Jesus said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So, this is the most crucial thing that you need to do. This is what is known as that crucified living of taking up the cross. And take, when you take up the cross, you have an attitude of deep surrender to him. So every day when you wake up, you know what? I've, I've shared this with you before too. Your first thoughts should be on God. Right. Make your connection with Him as soon as you wake up every day. And you determine that you're going to live for Him that particular day. Asking Him to order the things that you will do that they will be in accordance with His will, with His perfect will, as we just saw in uh, Romans 12.2. It says in, in uh, uh, Psalm 50, verse 23, Whoso offers praise glorifies me, and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. How do you do this? Order your conduct aright. You know, in other words, you live and in obedience to him and what he has told you you know uh you know not only his 
will in your day-to-day living, but uh, you know you avoid the things that God says are is sin. You live a holy and righteous life. How do you do that? Well, we have an answer to that in uh, Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5 tell us, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in Him, and He will bring it to pass. So, you know, a better way to say this. You know, a lot of people misunderstand verse that, that word in verse uh, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. You know, I think a better way to translate it is to, you know, not that you're going to get happy in the Lord. A lot of people think, well, it means I just get happy in the Lord. You know, and uh, then when they, they don't get the desires, well, God, you didn't get the desires of my heart. You know. Uh, I think a better way to translate that uh, delight yourself in the Lord is, you know, is not that whether you're happy with God, it's whether He is happy with you. You know, if God is pleased with, happy with you, if He's pleased with you, then you've got everything, uh, you're going to have everything you need. Uh, so, um, you know, a better word, another word for the delight, you know, the uh, the meaning conveyed in the original, it is, means much closer to the thought of being pliable, be pliable to the Lord. That is, you bend your will in accordance with His will, and then He gives you the desires of your heart. Why? Because if your will is bent towards His will, then. What you want in your life is going to be what he wants. Amen? You see what I mean? What you want is going to be what he wants if you're pliable and bend your will towards him. Now verse 5 clarifies this further. It bears out what, just what I was telling you. It says, commit your way to the Lord... Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. So this is really the nitty-gritty of what the whole matter is, and the essence of what it means to take up the cross and live crucified living. You commit your way to Him. You fully trust that He knows what is best for you. Uh, we think we know what's best for us. Isn't that right? You know, we think we know what's best for us. But the problem is, you know, generally speaking, we don't really know what is best for us. And that's because we try to reason things out with this little pea brain that we have. And then we discover too late that we've made a mess out of things. Amen? How many of you know that? How many of you tried to run things on your own and found out that you're in a complete and total mess? And I was thinking, you know, there's no better illustration of this than maybe the most important decision that we make aside from receiving the Lord Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And that is our marriage. The person that we choose to make our mate. 
Many times we fall head over heels in love, and then we discover too late that we've married the wrong person. And I'm speaking from personal experience in that regard with my first marriage. You know, so of all the decisions that you make in life, this is the most important. And you need to make sure that you're getting it right. Let's see, do I see anybody in single men around here? Willie was here a minute ago. You know. <laughs> he had to go to best friends to fix a water main leak. Okay. Well, anyway, I don't see anybody else that's uh, never been married here, but so I'm I'm preaching to the choir here. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm I, you know, it, pass this along to your offspring, brothers and sisters. Make sure that you are uh, you know you select the right person, and you've got to look at every aspect. You know, make sure that they are as dedicated to the Lord as you are. Amen. Amen? Okay. The second way that we give ourselves as a living sacrifice is to praise Him each day as soon as we can. You not only commit your way to Him each day as soon as you get up, but you also begin to praise Him. And those two go hand in hand. You know, I've shared with you before uh, my uh, roommate my uh, first year of Bible college. His name was Greg Jacob. And uh, I was 25 at the time. And he was about two or three years younger than I was. But I'll tell you, you know, he, he was one of the most godly men, even at that early age, that I have ever known in my life. And I can remember, you know, lying there and he'd wake up and... Uh, uh, the bed next to me, you know, in our room. And I'd hear him say, Praise you, Jesus. Glory to God. And he would begin praising God as soon as he woke up. And it made a deep impression on me. And that's what, the way that we should be, uh, brothers and sisters. Every day, you know, as soon as you wake up, start focusing your mind directly on God and start praising and worshiping Him. Remember that first type, uh, part of our verse uh, that we I shared uh, just a few minutes ago, Psalm 50, verse uh, 23. It says, Whoso offers praise glorifies me. And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the, him the salvation of the Lord. Psalm so there's no better way to center your heart and your mind upon the Lord first thing in the morning than to start praising Him as soon as you wake up. Psalm 22, verse 3. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. So we enthrone God. When we begin to praise Him, we enthrone Him. That is, we set Him upon the throne of our heart. Amen. Then He's in control, right? Yes. And then He's in position to work His uh, miracles in our lives. To work in our lives. He's in position to move in His strength and power over all aspects of our life. So we need to praise Him. Each day as soon as we awaken. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. Therefore 
by him, let us continually. See that continually? You know, there's that old uh, hymn that we used to sing. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Praising my Savior. What? All the day long. You know, there's some really good theology and practical things in these uh, uh, old hymns. You know, praise, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Thank Him that He gave the Lord Jesus Christ at this time of the year. Amen? Now... Many people don't like this idea of uh, being, you know, Paul tells us to be a living sacrifice. When they think of sacrifice, they think of, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, pain and uh, obligation when they think of a sacrifice. But really, to offer God this sacrifice of praise to Him, that's rather a painless way. What does giving the sacrifice of praise involve? It involves two things. It involves time and effort. And some people don't feel like praising God. Well, you know, whether you feel like it or not, you should still praise Him because He is God. And that's what the series on praise as a weapon is all about. You praise God for who He is. He's a God of love. He's a God of. Uh, uh, he's a faithful God. He's a holy God. So on and so forth. I've been talking about this, going through His attributes. You should praise God for that, even if you don't think like the way that things are going in your life. You still praise God nonetheless. You know, a lot of us like to sing these secular songs that we hear on the radio. Some of us even sing the songs that we hear in commercials. <laughs> Amen? I can think of commercials that I heard 50, 60 years ago. And that, that tune, you know, you wonder where the yellow went when you brush your teeth with Pepsi. How many of you remember that? <laughs> that was about 50 or 60 years ago. And I can still hear that song in my, my mind here. So if we can sing along with a stupid advertisement, you know, or a secular song that doesn't glorify God, how come we can't offer God that sacrifice of praise to Him and glorify Him? And this is why I stress the importance of worship. And, you know, again, I say it again, everybody, you need to get here on time so that you can be here for that time of praise and worship. Now, I've, I'm kind of in a u- unique place here because, you know, I've got access to all of the songs that we uh, sing here in the worship part of this service. And I do that, you know, because I find that that's a good way to uh, uh, pray. Uh, but if you, even if you don't have access to those, and I'll make them, give you access if you want, really want them, um, you can, you know, read through the book of Psalms because the book of Psalms has plenty of uh, psalms of uh, uh, praise. Okay, now let's just wrap things up here with some final thoughts on the first Christmas. 
We all know the story of the angels in Luke chapter 2, right? The, the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds when they were out there uh, tending their flocks at night and made the announcement that the Christ child had been born. Told them where to find him, you know, in the city of David, that is Bethlehem, you know, and you'd find the uh, babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. In other words, kind of like a stable area. So they went and they found it just as the angel had told them. But before they went, what happened? Suddenly a whole host of angels appeared there in the heavens. And what were they doing? Suddenly, Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And after the shepherd found the Christ child and told those present what the angel had said, you know, they, it says the, in verse 20 of uh, uh, Luke chapter 2, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Amen. You know, I don't know for sure, but I think maybe they were singing the same thing that those angels had been singing up there in the heavens. So, my point is, Jesus' earthly life was ushered in by praise. And so we should do likewise as we commit our way to him and usher him into our earthly life each day anew. So I urge you, brothers and sisters, learn the secret of praise in your life. Focus on what I've been talking about, praise as a weapon, and learn to practice it. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, Lane's going to go on ahead and uh, play our closing song now, and it's talking about, uh, I give you my life. Yeah, they need to turn. 